This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello. For the News and Observer and NC Insider, I'm Will Doran, your host for this episode of Under the Dome, the News and Observer's political podcast. It is Monday, June 27th, 2022, and we are recording right after the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade and uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, two key decisions for abortion rights. This is something that the right has been working for for decades and the left has been fearing for decades would happen. Now it is real, it is happening, and there has been just immediate reaction on both sides. I mean, we've seen, you know, huge outpouring of anger, but also huge outpouring of just celebration, uh, depending on what side of the issue you're on. It is a very, very emotional issue. Uh, We have a ton of coverage on this on our website. If you go to newsobserver.com or charlotteobserver.com, um, I'm actually here today with two of our uh, fellow reporters from Charlotte, uh, Will Wright and Hannah Smoot, who have been covering this angle uh, both in the political realm and just on the ground and how it actually affects people in their day-to-day lives. Um, and I want to go on that angle first to Hannah. Hannah, you were out in Charlotte today uh, talking with protesters um, and on both sides of this, you people who were really happy about it and people who were really angry about it. What, what did you hear? Yeah. um, So this decision dropped, you know, early in the morning and pretty much immediately people started heading out to abortion clinics in Charlotte. Um, You know, I I talked with the executive director of um, uh, one of those clinics, uh, Preferred Women's Health Center in Charlotte, um, that has really been at the center of a lot of um, protests, people using loudspeakers um, and things like that. And I spoke with her this morning and she said that, you know, in the first 30 minutes after the protest, um, um, several people had already turned up. Um, by the time I went out there this morning, there were probably two dozen people out there, um, pretty much equally split between uh, pro-life protesters and clinic volunteers. Those are the people who um, go there to help patients get inside and block them from the protesters. Um, when I was there this morning, you know, there was one pro-life protester who had a, lou- a microphone and a loudspeaker um, basically, you know, yelling things to people, turn around, come talk to us instead, we'll get you an ultrasound. Uh, and so in front of them, some of the clinic volunteers were banging cowbells, um, ringing tambourines and things like that, um, trying to to drown out that that uh, noise from the patients going in. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a very lively scene there this morning um, over at another uh, abortion clinic in Charlotte at the Planned Parenthood. Um, there was a handful of pro-life protesters. Um, That clinic was a little bit quieter today. Um, Planned Parenthood in Charlotte only performs abortions two days of the week. Um, So there were no clinic volunteers there, but there were five or six pro-life protesters who interestingly were dressed in vests similar to what um, clinic defenders wear. Um, So they were there. Uh, I talked to some of the protesters outside of the abortion clinics who were um, 
They said that they were very joyful uh, about the news this morning. Um, some of them had brought children out there with them. Cassia Waxman, who was one of the protesters with the group Love Life at the um, Charlotte Abortion Clinic today, um, Cassia brought her 13-year-old son, Levi. Um, and here's a little bit more from her. Well, I was filled with joy. Um, I've, I've always said I, I wanted to live to see the day when there will be a way to be overturned. Mm-hmm. And to see that become a reality, it's just brought me so much joy. Um, and I, you know, I also spoke with um, Calla Hales, who is the executive director of that uh, abortion clinic, who really said that this decision, which she and other abortion rights advocates have have known is coming for a long time, uh, and especially since the the opinion leak in May um, and have been warning about it. You know, she said that it, it really worries her about what's coming next as well. And this is going to step back a lot of things. This is going to be a major Government catastrophic impacts on the four units of the United States. It's going to set back on several years of progress, and we all know that they're not stopping here. Yeah, we we saw, um, you know, Justin Clarence Thomas, he wrote a concurrence saying that, uh, you know, some other uh, presidents should also be looked at potentially in the future, including access to contraceptives. Um, which was decided, I think, around a decade before the Roe v. Wade decision, if I'm correct on that. Um, and so, Hannah, what, what did you hear from, uh, you know, obviously the, the clinic volunteers are, are worried about this and what it's going to mean for them. What did, what did you hear from people on the pro-life side? Uh, you, you talked to some people this morning. What was their reaction? Um, their reaction, they were very excited about the news. Um, they were very happy with it. Uh, and you know, in, in North Carolina, it's important to emphasize that abortion remains legal. Um, and, and I think that that's something that the uh, abortion rights advocates want to emphasize. Um, you know, when, when I was speaking with clinic directors, they were telling me that their phones have been ringing off the hook, people asking if they still have an appointment. Um, and they do. Um, but that was something that, you know, the pro-life advocates were still they were still out there. They were still. Um, you know, protesting and trying to turn people around because uh, abortion is uh, remains to be legal in North Carolina. And there's a topic that you wrote about um, back when the the leaked opinion first came out, um, which was that this could actually, and I think a lot of people don't realize this. I thought it was fascinating when I read it. Um, this could actually make North Carolina potentially somewhat of a destination in the Southeast for abortion because so many states around us will likely fully ban abortion now that this is in place. But North Carolina isn't moving that way. And we're going to talk a little bit later in the segment with uh, with Will Wright about that. Uh, but uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your reporting on that and just some of the the, the statistics there? I mean, that was I, th- I thought that was a fascinating article that you wrote. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's it's not uncommon even now um, for abortion clinics in um in the Charlotte area to see patients from Tennessee, from South Carolina, and from Georgia. But there's also been an increase recently in patients from states like Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas. Um, and those um, abortion clinic advocates have talked about that they expect that to keep going up. Um, since May, the um, uh, the abortion clinic in sh- one of the abortion clinics in Charlotte um, said that they've seen a slight increase in out-of-state patients from those further away states. Uh, nothing major yet. But definitely, as we see those uh, other southern states um, limiting abortion, banning it completely, uh, we definitely expect to see a big increase in out-of-state travelers for abortions. Um, Already in North Carolina, 
about one in five people who get an abortion are out of state uh, patients. Um, so we, we definitely think that that's going to continue to increase. Yeah, there's a, a lot of unanswered questions. You know, I mean, do states now move to also try to make it illegal for their residents to not only to get an abortion in their state, but also to drive to another state to get an abortion? And, you know, then what kind of, you know, even if North Carolina doesn't fully ban abortions, you know, what kind of legal risks could, you know, clinics be in if they, you know, do take a patient from Texas or someplace like that? Um, it's just, you know, there, there's so much up in the air right now with all of this. Um, and we're going to get into a little bit of the, the those political angles in a second. Um, but for now, uh, we are going to just take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. All right, we are back. Again, this is Will Dorn from the News and Observer. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we're going to switch over now to uh, Will Wright, uh, one of our colleagues from the Charlotte Observer, who has been also covering politics for us. Uh, if you haven't seen his name out there, look for it. Uh, he's done a lot of good work. Um, Will, I know that you have covered some of the Senate race, which now, as of about a month ago, is officially between Ted Budd and Sherry Beasley. I think probably it's fair to say that this ruling makes abortion the issue of the midterms, both you know for, for that Senate race and plenty of other races. Am I off the mark in saying that, or would you agree with me on that? You know, I think it depends on who you ask. And I wonder how what polling will look like in a month. I think that will reveal a lot um, once this kind of settles in for people. Obviously, right now, issues like inflation and public safety have taken uh, taken a big share of the attention. But with this ruling, you have to think that this will be a major issue, if not the major issue going forward. Um, so I guess I guess we'll see. And you know, I've heard, you know, again, mixed opinions on how this will impact the Senate race. There's a, there's a, it seems like a clear argument that Sherry Beasley will benefit more from this than Ted Budd because she can use this to energize Democrats leading up to the election. Um, you know, Ted Budd could also say to, to his constituents, this is what we've been waiting for. You know, uh, let's not squander this opportunity by losing this election. But it is important to remember, too, that, you know, the Senate race is not really where this battle lies. It's more in the state legislature, I think. Um, the Senate race, you know, they can be appointing Supreme Court justices. So it doesn't say it doesn't have an impact there. Uh, but in the state legislature, I think, is where um, where really you'll see the the biggest impact from the Supreme Court decision. Absolutely. Um, I talked to uh, House Speaker Tim Moore last month when the decision first like actually several reporters did um and he addressed that and he was pretty point blank he said look i'm i'm pro-life uh, i consider myself strongly pro-life but i'm also not going to immediately move to push a bill that would ban abortion in north carolina and he said one it's a really 
complex topic. They need to you know, talk to plenty of people to see exactly what kind of wording they want to put into something. Uh, but two, anything that they pass now would get vetoed by Governor Roy Cooper, who's a Democrat. And at the moment, Democrats have just enough seats in the legislature so that the Republican Party does not have a veto-proof supermajority. And they've been not 100 percent, but very successful in upholding the governor's vetoes uh, over the past few years since they've gotten rid of that supermajority. And so uh, this is what Speaker Moore told us back then. You know, there, there's a timing issue. I mean, we're going to be here for a short period to deal with the budget. Uh, the politics, frankly, is, is that we have a governor that I know would, would veto any legislation when we don't have a supermajority. Also, concern, frankly, about our current state Supreme Court for, I mean, if you're talking about a court just talking about striking down a constitutional amendment on voter ID, I have uh, no confidence in, in this current majority of the state Supreme Court to follow the law. Yeah, that, and I think that's that's right. I mean, you know, when you look forward to to November, we'll have state legislature races on the ballot. Um, those become more important as this decision comes in. Like you said, there's a I think it's you know it's a handful of seats in both chambers, less than five maybe, or about five that um, that prevent them from having that veto proof supermajority, and then obviously the governor's seat. So in 2024, this will undoubtedly be a big be a big factor as Governor Cooper leaves office and and we see who North Carolina's next next governor is. Um, so yeah, this will be uh, this will I think be a defining factor in the next those next two years. Then you have to think even after that, I mean, essentially every two years, this will be at stake to some extent. Exactly. No, it's it's going to depend a whole lot on, as we've said, this November's elections. If Republicans can manage to to get back a supermajority, then we could see some sort of abortion bill, whether it's a, a full ban or uh, something in the middle between uh, what we currently have now, which is a we have a 20 week ban that's been ruled unconstitutional. But because of this decision, it's pretty likely to go into place. Um, so that'll probably go back. So will they try to find some middle ground between no abortion at all and a 20-week ban, will they just do a complete ban? That's still to be decided, but I think it's fair to say if Republicans get a supermajority, they will do something. Um, if they don't, then you're exactly right. Then the focus shifts to 2024 and that governor's race. Uh, with Cooper being term limited, uh, Republicans are going to see a, a good shot at getting uh, one of their candidates in, and obviously Democrats will you know, focus heavily on that exact question of abortion. And then <laughs> yeah, every every two years after that, it'll be, you know, this push and pull of who controls the legislature. And, you know, I guess it, you know, could end up being, you know, uh, you know, abortion's legal for two years and then it's banned for two years and then it's legal for two years if the majority switches back and forth between Democrats and Republicans. Although we should also note that it's not a completely monolithic issue. There are some Democrats who oppose abortion. And there are some Republicans who support abortion. So it's, you know, largely you have these political contrasts, but it, it's not 100 percent. On the edges, you have some people who don't exactly toe the party line. And if you look at polling and Will, maybe you know more about this than I do, but, you know, most people want there to be something in the middle. Most Americans don't want just zero restrictions on abortion. And most Americans also don't want complete restriction on abortion. They want it to be legal in certain circumstances. And obviously the devil's in the details on, 
on what exactly <laughs> the circumstances are. But, well, have you seen more details on the polling on that, even specifically here in North Carolina, on, on what tends to be a popular idea or not? Yeah, there was a Meredith College poll released this spring that found that something like just over 40% of North Carolinians wanted to see a ban or severely curtailing abortion rights in the state. So it's not a majority. And I think something like a little over 50% wanted to see Roe v. Wade be codified. So, you know, uh, that is one thing I'm curious about is even if, you know, a a certain Republican politician is pro-life, um, there are political implications that were there, you know, where the majority of North Carolinians don't want to see complete elimination of abortion rights in the state. And, and I'm curious about that too, with the U S with the U S Senate race, just how many of those voters who, um, who are in that middle ground could be swayed by this whenever they're looking between Ted Budd and, and Sherry Beasley, because it is more of a, um, you know, if you ask someone, are you pro-life or pro-choice? It appears black and white. When you start digging a little more into, okay, how many weeks after, um, after conception does, uh, should abortion be allowed? Um, under what circumstances, including, you know, rape and incest, then it becomes a little more, um, complicated. That's something I'm curious about. And Hannah, maybe you can answer that question too, um, based on some of your conversations with people protesting on both sides of this. I mean, do people, you know, when they're out there in the streets holding signs, do they really want to get into the the details of, you know, exactly what, you know, what the rules should be uh, going forward? Or is it more just kind of uh, blanket statements? Yes or no? It's definitely majorly, uh, uh, it's it's definitely mostly blanket statements. The people that I, you know, spoke with today who are out protesting basically said we're here because um, we love Jesus and we love those babies. Um, and that's pretty much the line for them. Um, the people who were out protesting today would like to see absolutely no abortions. Um, and, you know, it is important to point out that that is the minority of people. Uh, I think that there are very few people who uh, would like to see complete bans of abortion. Um, but those it's a very vocal minority. Um, these are the people who are going out and protesting at clinics and, and using the loudspeakers. So. While it is a minority of people, it is a very vocal minority. Yeah, I, I suppose it's, uh, you know, it's not exactly, you know, the, the kind of thing people go hold signs saying, you know, I, I have a nuanced view on <laughs> this topic. <laughs> That's not exactly what you see at a lot of protests. But yeah, I, I think it'll definitely be uh, something that'll propel a lot of the political discussion clearly uh, this year. And I will, I think you're exactly right that it'll continue on into the future. Um, so exactly what happens, uh, we still have to wait and see. Uh, but for now, this is kind of where we are in North Carolina. Um, and so for the News and Observer, again, I am Will Doran here with Hannah Smoot and Will Wright. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. And we will see you on the next episode. For more on the politics theme, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider and sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.